when it became clear was I was, I, when it was at its worst, I was getting so like frightened for the nights because I began to like, literally my heart would beat faster when the sun was setting. Cause I was like, oh no, I'm going to have another night of no sleep. I mean. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy. It's one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and energy. And Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging. And you can find out more about Judy at Judy Banker. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. Well, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. He's wondering when he's going to get a walk, and that will be happening soon. Hello, loyal listeners. I want to invite you to a free international web conference I'm participating in that's going to be excellent. It's the Envisage 2020 web conference on challenging ageism towards women. Join us November 14th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the intergenerational conversations on many topics having to do with aging and ageism. We're going to explore how to be anti-ageist and age-inclusive in our own lives. They've brought together some great guests, so mark your calendars for the Envisage 2020 web conference. It's totally free, and you can find out more on my website, zestfulaging.com. I hope to see you there. Let's begin. We have a really great interview for you today. We're going to be talking about a super relevant issue, especially in these turbulent times. And I wonder if you knew that poor sleep is one of the most common reasons people see their doctors. We've been hearing more and more about the importance of sleep, and Ariana Huffington wrote a book about it, and she's an an, uh, evangelist for good sleep. But I think many of us are still a bit confused why we need sleep, how much is enough, do people differ in their needs for sleep, and so I'm really excited to to learn more about this, and I'd like to introduce Molly McLaughlin. She's the creator of Sleep is a Skill. It's a company that optimizes people's sleep through a unique blend of technology, accountability, and behavioral change, and the company was born from scratching her own itch in a lifetime of poor sleep habits culminated into a mega challenging bout of insomnia for months without end. And with a background in psychology and human behavior, she went down the rabbit hole to solve her own sleep disturbances without using sleeping aids. She became fascinated with chronobiology and by extension, its practical applications to restore a state of homeostasis, not only to her sleep, but also to her life as a whole. So knowing the difference between a life with sleep and with out. She's now dedicated her life to sharing the forgotten skill set of sleep. Welcome to the show, Molly. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. and I'm excited to dive in with you. This is going to be great. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, me as well. And I love the expression scratching your own itch. Oh, yeah. Uh, tell us the story of why you became so fascinated with sleep. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So really, this company, Sleep is a Skill, was born out of, um, you know, as you as you read through on the on the bio of really 
from my own issues. So I really want to start with the fact that um, so many of these uh, problems that so many people will come to sleep as a skill around. I have been there. I have done all the things not to do, honestly, uh, for many years. And so what that looked like was uh, just having a lot of negative sort of um, labels or disempowering labels around my sleep. And oh, I'm a bad sleeper. I'm a short sleeper. I'm a night owl. I'm a this, I'm a that. And like a fixed <laughs> state of being, right? Uh, and it was like that for many, many years. And and as I got older, um, I didn't correlate some of the, as I was getting more anxious, I was an entrepreneur in the middle of Manhattan and just kind of burning the candle at both ends and started going to bed later and later. And, you know, just all these sort of things just be became more exacerbated, um, but I didn't connect how that was impacting, you know, my health and my well-being until I went through my own period of insomnia. And during that, it was real. I got to see what life is like, you know, with virtually no sleep. And mm. during that time, what was really uh, eye-opening was one, I at my worst point, I was I was traveling internationally, and this is when this was all happening with jet lag thrown into the mix. And I went to the doctors in Croatia with Google Translate, and it was like, I can't sleep, oh, help. Wow. Yeah, and um, and I left with, because you know, they didn't quite know what to do with me and couldn't even speak the language. So I left with a prescription for, um, it was their version of Ambien, their generic version for Ambien. Oh, and dear. in that moment, it was a very scary thing because I actually, I took, I did take Ambien for, you know, there was a couple, uh, a solid couple months of, you know, having some of that. And during that period, it was so like an internal battle of knowing, okay, this is, uh, um, wh where is this going? <laughs> you know, mm. what is the path here and what is the plan? And I really just felt very shameful and alone um, on that. And so, you know, that same obsessive tendency that probably got me into that space, then also <laughs> thankfully <laughs> um, ended up being just a something that I'm so grateful for because it actually shifted my entire life. So now, you know, from that point, not only did it was able to heal, uh, you know, my issues with my sleep, but actually learn to cultivate optimized sleep that I had certainly never had in my life um, and, you know, quantifiably from uh, you know, all the sleep tech that, you know, we can certainly get into being able to measure that and and really use it as kind of a barometer for how I'm, um, you know, for how life is working for me and mm -hmm. and then using that uh, element of sleep as such a great indicator of, okay, I'm getting a little more stressed, you know, pulling things back, uh, doing what we know to do, foundational kind of work, and it's really transformed everything for me. So while it was happening, I can assure you, I was one of very negative negative state and just was from this place that there's nothing good that could possibly come out of this. But then when I went, you know, hindsight's 2020, looking back, it was one of the best things that happened to me. So I do think there can be um, something that our body can give and teach us when we do go through these disrupted sleep periods, if we're willing to do the work necessary to restore it. I'm curious, um, because certainly there's, um, how, how do we say this? You know, if you're an entrepreneur in Manhattan, I think it's still stylish mm -hmm. to run the uh, burn the candle at both sure. ends, even though, you know, we know Ariana Huffington said, this is a myth and look what happened to me. I'm going to write a book and people are doing things with sleep hygiene and it's becoming, you know, more well known. But I still think that there's some kind of status um, and, and it's, it does seem to be sort of in fashion to yeah. be drinking multiple cups of coffee and saying, I'm just this close to burnout, but <laughs> I'm so productive and my life is just so crazy. I don't have any choice. When did you get to the point where you thought, okay, uh, this is no longer going to, it's unsustainable? Yeah, uh, really great points about the kind of the social um, fabric around the conversation with sleep. I mean, we were like three blocks away from where um, Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, spaces and okay. you know a lot of people know of his like hustle hard. Oh you know, yeah, and, and he's Intensity. fantastic, right? Like inspiring for sure. And but you know if taken to the extreme, uh -huh. then that that burnout or uh, lack of sustainability for sure can show up. So for me, when it became clear was. 
I was, I, when it was at its worst, I was getting so like frightened for the nights because I began to like, literally my heart would beat faster mm. when the sun was setting. Cause I was like, oh no, I'm going to have another night oh, of no sleep. I mean, gosh. you know, there's certainly not a uh, way to relate to um, something that for you know so much of our lives we can take for granted or just assume obviously it's it's innate and given to all of us um and yet that's why i do get the irony of saying that sleep is a skill when it's something mm -hmm. we came out being you know naturally able to do really and, good at yeah <laughs> right and for thousands of years you know hunter gatherers um you know if we're looking at this conversation around uh i know mentioned you know chronobiology and um circadian rhythms uh as part of that element Element that um, I had really been uh, like just mind blown when I started learning about that. That for you know for so many thousands of years we did have a very for the most part strong circadian rhythm is what we understand it to be because we were so linked up with the rhythms of nature for so very long. Um, and really, what we're talking about now is that we're in a time that really post Edison, uh, the ability to augment our days to 24 seven capabilities was, it wasn't an option in the same way that it is now and become so normalized. Um, because of the light. Am I right about yes. that? Up it, with the sun, down with the sun. Exactly. And that's mm -hmm. what's so fascinating. The, the power of light in this conversation around sleep is really, I think we're only at the beginning stages of it beginning to hit kind of, um, you know, the, the mass conversation, because if you go into, um, uh, the sleep conversation, sleep camp, if you go into, uh, circadian rhythm, chronobiology, uh, for, you know, we've got a lot of data around the importance of light and how much that plays one of the number one impactors for the strength of our circadian rhythm. Um, and yet, you know, the average, certainly when, when I was not sleeping well, I really had no real respect for how upside down um, my relationship to light in general was and uh. what that would even do to my health and mental health and my anxiety levels and stress. Mm -hmm. um, and so really getting more connected to that and what that can look like. And because for me, it was as simple as I was living living pretty upside down because i would wake up late i would be in kind of dim environment i might have a headache i might whatever uh, you know not getting outside until much mm -hmm. much later mm -hmm. so then when the biggest shots of light would come that would be often in the evening when i turn on all the artificial light uh, so see. it's you really really do a number on your body and then we don't even understand it. it's not just a, like regulated to sleep itself it then gets extended to our hormonal production the the body's ability to know when to release cortisol when to release melatonin um, oh. you know so many neurotransmitters there's so much that gets controlled by that master clock in our brain um, and in these little clocks and are virtually every cell in our body uh so i think it's just a really exciting area that is mm. beginning to um you know find a home in more everyday conversations i think a big part of it has actually come from is pretty resounding, um, you know, kind of, or certainly at least correlative and um, possibly, you know, a causation element around uh, what's linked as sleep deprivation and neurodegenerative issues. So Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. Mm -hmm. um, and that came out in more recent years of understanding, it all goes back to this ability to um, this, what we call glymphatic drainage. And probably a lot of people have heard of lymphatic drainage, but glymphatic drainage is really just the, uh, Ability for the brain to do some kind of deep cleaning at night, which happens mm -hmm. primarily in uh, deep sleep in the first half of the night. And if we're not prioritizing our sleep, you know, like I was for many years not doing that, um, then you're not able to go through that brain cl cleansing kind of uh, properties. So for so many people that, as we know, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia are all areas that people have, are really looking to have that ability to prevent. Um, and so now seeing that this really might be a big key to that puzzle, it's starting to kind of get into more mainstream of the importance around mm -hmm. this. Um, but you know, back to your original question, yes, I think there still is that status that comes about from uh, shirking that and you know, go to bed late, wake up early, mm -hmm. you know, you grind it out and that's mm -hmm. how it goes. And that was the narrative I was in um, for mm -hmm. a very long time. 
Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been a adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out copenotes.com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Now back to the show. I wanted to just share this example, um, and I know you're really into the research, but this is something I had never considered. I was coming out of, a, um, well, the first restaurant I had been in in, in months and months and months, sure. and it's a place I would never have gone before, uh, um, before but it's, it's a, a long, not that interesting story. But when we came <laughs> out, it was late. It was very late. It was 1130 or something, and it was in the the mall. Well, that's another story. I hate the mm. mall. But anyway, yes. <laughs> so the lights are, of course, um, in the uh, parking lot, beaming, full bright, full there. And all of a sudden, I noticed, why are there seagulls here, mm. you know, in the, it was, it was like 1130 at night. And I thought, don't they need to go to sleep? Why are they there? And my biologist husband explained to me that they were confused by the light and yes. that, and, and that we're also finding that with deer in our neighborhoods here in upstate New York, because there's so much artificial light, they're getting all screwed up. And so they're walking around at daytime in full view and uh, the nocturnal animals, the raccoons and all, are also confused. So yes. it's so interesting to me that this is biology. This isn't yeah. a choice we get to make. This is baked in, hardwired. And, you know, we can't really fight against this. Yes. Yeah, that's such a, wow, what a great example. And so awesome of your husband to, um, you know, kind of be able to take it deeper. That's really very uh, compelling. It's, it's a great example because from, um, as humans, we of course are diurnal creatures, meaning that we're meant to be active during the day and at rest at night. Um, and with the advent of this, you know, 24 hour light, uh, it's because of course, you know, we might think about, there's so many other things that are keeping us up too. There's <laughs> smartphones, there's computers, there's all of these things, which are also a big part of the story. Um, mm. But the origin piece of the kind of beginnings of some of this disruption. And then, um, because not only back when uh, the first light bulb was invented, then that still had a, a larger percentage of uh, warmer light being emitted from it versus, so if you think of like, you know, those nice restaurants you go to and they have like the Edison bulbs and they're kind of like dim, ah. and, right? It's kind of pretty and romantic-y. Um, whereas now, certainly uh, in the 80s and beyond was when a lot of bills were enacted for energy efficient bulbs and oh, then boy. LEDs later on and all of those. And so the, the percentage or breakdown in those lights are much, much more blue centric or uh, cool centric. So with that, what we've found is that that really disrupts our melatonin pr um, production. And it's not just like a little amount and kind of like, oh, well, wouldn't that be nice? But like, I'm sure there's so many other things to do about sleep. Now, this is the place to begin uh -huh. because you know it's, it's actually fascinating. I just attended um, 
sleep, the sleep conference 2020, and they had just tons of, you know, uh, sleep researchers and doctors sharing all their findings. And one, um, one study was pointing to its work with NASA and dynamic lighting versus static lighting. And what was fascinating was they would show when people were, cause, and this is very important for NASA, for astronauts to be able to stay on a circadian timeline, even when they're, you know, in the space shuttle, uh, because the sun rises and sets, you know, virtually every 90 minutes depending on the trajectory oh. and where they're at. So it's very confusing. Um, oh my so, so they get really connected to this light conversation. So they do a lot of work to maintain dynamic lighting throughout the entire course of, you know, their, their trip in, in space. So what, what we can learn about that is that they do kind of comparisons of, okay, so what would happen if astronauts are exposed to the same old static lighting the whole time versus dynamic lighting? Um, so what they find is just the, the melatonin production is so, so much more pronounced versus the people that are in that same old static lighting all day long that looks almost kind of like a very, like a little blip of melatonin, a little bit still gets produced, but it's nothing mm -hmm. compared to that dynamic lighting. So it's a fantastic, very important place to begin mm -hmm. uh, in this conversation. Of course, there's more things that we can do. Temperature is another thing that plays a uh, really strong element into our circadian rhythm. And so that thermal regulation is really important. We're aiming to drop our temperature, body temperature by about two to three degrees each night on average, which might not sound like a lot, but it really is quite a bit. Cause, you know, the body does everything to maintain that homeostasis with uh, temperature. So and, what does that look like, Molly? That yeah. looks like cracking the window. What, what, yes. give me some practical um, ideas about what needs to happen. Absolutely. So what we really want to do, if we're coming, like spanning, you know, taking a step back, we want to create two clear parts to the day, very similar to how like hunter gatherers would have been the sun sets. It's pretty dark and then it gets cold. Uh, so we want to kind of create that similar element for ourselves, even if we're indoor living and so disconnected from that rhythm. So artificially, what we want to do is when around when the sun is setting, uh, that's when you can both dim the lights and actually cool in your, um, your ambient temperature. So you can make that, uh, drop that down pretty significantly. And certainly when you're sleeping. Uh, so our goal when we're sleeping is to be in those mid sixties. Um, mm -hmm. and so making and I've talked to so many people and they're like, oh, the temperature is not a problem. I definitely sleep cool. And then you ask what it is and it's like, you know, 73, 70, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so then, so when we're able to move that down a bit, that can really help make a difference with the quality of your sleep, but also just that sleep onset. So the body's ability to know that um, yes, it is time to to sleep to produce this amount amount of melatonin um, and to kind of downshift, downregulate brain states, brain activities. A lot that can happen there. So a couple other things. If you think about temperature, there's a number of things that will influence temperature. But some of the most common um, food timing is a big one. So I used to really backload most of my um, calorie, like caloric intake, would be at night, and mm -hmm. you know just that kind of in front of the TV, like eating and just sort of, oh, this is my relaxation time, you know, all of that sort of narrative. And um, unfortunately, having no idea that then that would show up the next morning and how I felt um, after that night of sleep while the body's having to digest that. I see. Right. So too much work, too much work. And it really raises the bodily, um, our body temperature. That's so right. Right. So it's a confusing um, set of signals. And so, you know, doctors have done this um, in the past they know they have to work a night shift. Okay, well, I'll just make sure I, I also eat my food um, later on. That will be another signal to keep the body, you know, must think, okay, we're getting energy. We must need to be doing something. Um, and so, you know, in keeping that temperature up, another one, of course, is alcohol. That's one of the easiest, most point toable mm -hmm. ones where our body temperature goes up. Um, and while it might help with sleep onset, um, that can be very problematic for the keeping us asleep. So the fragmentation mm -hmm. element of our sleep, the quality of the sleep that we're getting into. Um, and then another one is exercise, but it's below meal timing and its importance for the most part. Um, but of course, if you're say doing a lot of strenuous exercise late at night, I do actually have clients that have, um, you know, they've 
busy days and then they don't get into the gym until really late, you know, it'll be like 8.30 classes, mm. 9 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're revving up. They're revving up and they're under blue light often. So that will even oh, double whammy. Wow. But then the heart. And, and then they have a beer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't why? Oh, the man. trifecta. <laughs> Exactly. And I feel too so much for for people in these situations because, you know, I I was there. I in the worst when I couldn't sleep. That was one of the things I tried to I was over. I was in in Madrid and I was like, okay, maybe if I have a drink, maybe that will help. Uh, You know, so you you try things and you're running on fumes. So I do really understand. Um, And I think that this is that's why this element of really diving into the skill set, I think, can be one of the most practical things that you can do uh, to really day in day out make a difference and give ourselves more energy Uh, so you know as far as those practical things around the temperature lowering the temperature at night or but even before bed so you know when the sun's setting to help cue us that this is our relaxation time mm-hmm. um kind of downshifting as far as things that we're doing mentally because actually really interesting element is that our thoughts can actually heat up our body to agree there's actually sleep gadgets on the market that will cool your free uh, prefrontal cortex if you are someone that has chronic insomnia and kind of hyper aroused brain activity they find that the brain actually gets warmer during all of that rumination or excitatory oh, you know kind goodness. of right so it, it's an actual studied uh you know kind of sleep tech so if we go back that can help us underscore the importance of our thoughts and how it can actually have a real physical result in the world wow there there's so much here and i know that people are going to want to hear a little bit more guidance about um, eating and food and it yes. sounds like what you're saying is front loading your calories is um, much more in the natural rhythm of how they're best metabolized yes so a couple things about that one of course since this is our company's really built on technology accountability and behavioral change uh, to really drive it home from a tech perspective I will often have clients wearing continuous glucose monitors like I have mine on right now and that can really really be interesting um, and just paint it in black and white that our glucose even runs on our circadian rhythm and has preferential times to eat versus other times. So you can do lots of fun tests. Um, If you're as nerdy as I am, I find this very fun. Um, that you could take the same type of meal, right, and have it in the bre- uh, you know, for breakfast at like 8 a.m. And then you can take that exact same meal and have it at 8 p.m. And for most people, there would be a very different results for their glucose uh, just based on that time of day. And of course, there's so glucose is really an interesting one because there's so much you can also do to help. Um, with spikes, you know, so activity can help blunt uh, glucose spikes. So having like a nice little walk after your meals, uh, there's lots that you can do to support this. But either way, the, the timing difference is a big one. Uh, so if you tend test with moving that meal timing back, really um, that like early bird special type of timeline for <laughs> dinners, you know, there, you know, people that are doing that are onto something because it's allows much more time for our body to then digest this before going into bed when and going into bed and sleeping is really um there's a lot that's so important that we want to prioritize during that we don't want the body's ability to heal itself do all the things that we know to be so important getting distracted by something just that doesn't need to be there and really never would have been there in in history because if you think back again if we used to be so tethered to the rhythms of nature as from a blueprint perspective when that sun would set I mean, it was pretty much party over for the most part. Maybe there'd be like a bonfire or something. (laughs) But, you know, you can't really go hunting. You're not refrigerating stuff. Yeah, you can't do anything. There's no snacking. There's no leftover. It's just like, (laughs) it's kind of that. And so, and and by design, our body has, um, if we have a strong circadian rhythm, uh, leptin and ghrelin are really meant to help support us in the evenings to kind of downshift this because it would be really distracting for, you know, those hunter gatherers to be so starving when they're trying to go to sleep because they can't go and get anything. Um, so it was really meant by design to actually help support us that we're not hungry during that period. And some people might notice this too, like say if, if their circadian rhythm is a little more weak and they're, they're hungry when they go to bed, but they wake up and they're like, oh, interesting. I'm not as hungry anymore. Um, you know, it's kind of by design. It's all, 
um, meant to work so that it's not a distracting element. But if that yes. can be a really good cue that your circadian rhythm might be a little off, out of alignment, because if you are finding that you're one of these people, oh, I'm ravenous in the middle of the night, I've had people that wake up and then they go eat in the middle of the mm -hmm. night. All of those things could be big cues uh, that we there's some work to do around that. And that uh, continuous glucose monitor can help really, um, you know, bring that home because when we do have glucose drops, that's the big part where often we'll find wake up. So people have high glucose when they're going to sleep because they just ate. And then while they're sleeping, it crashes. And when the crash happens is when the body responds with cortisol and adrenaline because it's kind of a, a uh -huh. concerning moment. And yes. that's when you get the wake up, right? I see. Yeah. It all makes so much sense. And, uh, you know, I think about how this translates to the world of uh, psychotherapy and Absolutely. how we really are, you know, it's it's an old device. The, this yes. device we're working with hasn't really been updated. <laughs> and, you know, we were talking actually today, we're speaking um, on 9-11 and mm. talking to people and their yeah. trauma and wondering, why am I still traumatized? And we talk about how the body holds on to those memories for really good reason and how evolution is something we really have to appreciate and respect why we're built the way we're built. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Very good point. So talk, talk to me, not, not to, 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 uh, belabor the point, but, um, I am an eating disorder, uh, specialist. And oh, so wow. I, I know a lot uh, of people will want to understand more about the food. Can you talk to us about like getting up, having a meal, and then when is it time to shut down the kitchen? Mm. Oh, wow. I didn't know that background. That's awesome. Very important area. And right. It, it's a uh, we don't want to create any sort of added stress or anything around mm -hmm. this area for people for sure. Um, so instead, what we can do is just point to um, some things that certainly intuitive eating being so important. If mm -hmm. you know, never want people really feeling so you know unbearably hungry or something before bed, we want to um, speak to that. Right. And for a general outlook, what we're looking to cultivate um, for many years, it's kind of been, okay, so at least two hours before bed, really aiming to kind of be like kitchen closed. Okay. Um, so it, that's been that element. But now there's even more um, kind of interesting research coming out around pushing it, that back even a little bit more. So trying around three hours, four hours uh, before bed, really stopping to eat. Um, and, and so of course we want to play with this and test it out for yourself. That's why we really do advocate for people to have, um, some sleep trackers, uh, in the conversation so that they can at least have a sense of where things have been. Um, and then what happens when they do make some of these changes and, but, you know, so of course it depends on the person if they've got some pre-existing stuff, certainly want to be mindful of that. But, um, but with, with this conversation in general, what we're uh, pushing for people to explore is what happens when we stop eating, you know, that three to four hours before bed. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course there's, there's always asterisks for things with people. Um, so for women, if we're still, um, you know, menstruating, then at different points, um, you know, which, and which from a chronobiology perspective is fascinating because it's known as our infradian rhythm. It's one of those rhythms that are longer than our daily rhythms of the 24 hours, uh, our infradian rhythm, you know, so happening every 20 on this 28 day span, um, that there's different points in our cycle that might be more stressful than others. So, you know, if, if you're finding that to be stressful in your body or what have you, that might be, um, certainly in the luteal phase when our glucose tends to be higher, uh, that might be a time when we might want to adjust and, you know, have some maybe eating a little bit later on, but for the most part, we're mm -hmm. testing out, um, that and seeing what the effects are. And for most people, what we find is it's just really unequivocally. So what the, the, what the results tend to be is a lowering of heart rate, um, throughout the night, an increase in HRV. So heart rate variability, 
um, a lowering of body temperature throughout the night when we're not eating, and then um, a lowering of our respiratory rate. So how mm-hmm. kind of hard or how much you're having to breathe throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those can really be positive signs to then wake up the next day feeling more refreshed. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is, so I have, um, you know, all my clients uh, have to wear one of the, you know, at least a, um, one sleep tracker. And so I can track them from anywhere in the world. And it's fascinating because there are times when then it kind of gets flagged for me of certain things, you know, that their sleep is, uh, you know, deviating from its norm. And there's often, it can be very close to, when you look at it, those uh, markers, those biometrics can skew to the same way. So when you eat late, it can look very similar to um, drinking. And so that's a really interesting one. I mean, of course, there's uh, differences in the, the quantity and quality and all kinds of things, but mm-hmm. um, pointing to the fact that there can, those same things result with drinking is the raise in body temperature um, up in respiratory rate, tanking in HRV, up in heart rate. Uh, so it has a real measurable difference when we do this. And what people tend to do is get really addicted to feeling as good as you can feel the next day uh, when you just do one of these, a couple of these small behavioral changes. It's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, from an emotional point, and I'd like to bring this this in and, and get your opinion on this, you know, we know anxiety, depression, anything like this is so much worse when we're not sleeping. Yes. Right? And so I guess I want to ask you, you know, in our current time when people are just bereft, I guess yeah. is the, the word that, that comes to mind in, in so many different I, I, you know, I'm talking to clients and I don't even, they don't even know where to start. It's like, well, the West Coast is burning. We've got, you know, and, and so it's like we just don't have enough time to cover all of the profound uh, negative experiences going on around us. What do we do about that in terms of sleep? Is is there something that can address the increased anxiety that um, many of us are feeling. Yes. And I mean, I think it's no coincidence that, uh, the amount of traffic that we've been getting to sleep as a skill and, you know, questions around sleep, um, have really skyrocketed during this time of the pandemic because already this was a problem. And then we kind of just like lit a match with a Uh pandemic and all, you know, all the levels of heightened uncertainty for people or, you know, lack of structure. So there's a number of things happening for different people while, you know, you might be someone, oh, well, you know, my, my finances are still handled, but to your point, concern around what the future may hold or suddenly now I'm working from home and I don't have that external structure that I used to have of mm-hmm. kind of the nine to five or all of that. Or so, my social support. Yes. Because, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just the list is endless where yeah. it feels as if it's touched all of us in you know different ways. Um, so from that place, then what I really make the argument for is that sleep becomes, and I think has always been, but really, especially in times like this, um, the most important place to begin in that area of health and wellness. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think for so many years, it's like, okay, New Year's resolution, I'm going to get to the gym, I'm going to like <laughs> hire a nutritionist. But yeah. we haven't really prioritized, all right, I'm going to really take on my sleep this year it is going to be amazing. We don't do that. Uh, so, so I think what could really be could one step into that that provides that clear foundation kind of like you know from a maslow's hierarchy of needs like we can't go into all of these other levels of optimizing um you know for our lives until we have that those basic uh, needs addressed and particularly in mental health oh my goodness it is just so unequivocal what that does um and from even if we're talking about productivity standpoint Mm -hmm. just the the amount of errors that people make when we sleep deprive them in different tests and try to have them perform uh you know your performance just totally gets shot Uh, so there's just so many areas it's very insidious so if we begin there then that can be that solid bedrock so then we can handle all these kind of unprecedented times in a way that's Mm -hmm. certainly going to up level us um over the alternative which if we start really allowing that to, um, you know, to kind of 
snowball, then often we see all these other problems. So as I spoke to um, around that glucose conversation, just one clear example that I think many of us can relate to is you have a night of you don't sleep great. And then what follows, even just for a couple nights of acute sleep deprivation, you'll see people's uh, glucose rates really a measurable shift in that. So now we've got our glucose up. Now we tend to be more ravenous. We want the the fun stuff and, you know, for that quick hit of energy. Um, so so then we've got the swings that can often really uh, result in anxiety or, you know, just heightened stress. Um, and so now you've got that. And if you're sleep deprived, often the first thing it can get cut is movement, the, that trip to the gym or whatever um, can, can get canceled more readily than anything else. So if we just think of on the practical elements of that, and then you, you expand that over you know many weeks and months, um, we're in a very different mental state and ability to deal with what's coming our way. So it, you know, it, it makes me think of being emotionally burnt out and that your body is burnt out. Yes. And so I, I, I know just a little bit about adrenal gland burnout. Is that something that is part of this? Oh, yeah. And I'll get a lot of people that... Um will come to sleep as a skill and they've, you know, it's, it might not be their first time, their foray in really trying to get up under their health and they've done some testing and they've gotten cortisol levels tested. Um, you know, they've, uh, found that either it's very high throughout the day or that it's been so kind of burnt out. And now they're just not even experiencing cortisol at all as it relates to that, um, adrenal concerns. And so then I'll have people also like kind of self-medicating and taking as much coffee as possible to get through the day, um, you know, in various walks around that, all pointing to that um, level of burnout and how that can relate to sleep. And it can be so maddening because we know that we are so wired and tired or just that. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly my experience when I couldn't sleep for, you know, it was a bunch uh, of months of just this no, I'm exhausted. And yet and I have you get this, like desperate. Right? Yes, you get desperate. Frightening. Frightening. Yeah. And really just like why almost like an experience of like that your body's feels like it's working against you in those periods because it's so jazzed up and like, you know, on high alert. Um, and mm. yet, you know, I have a knowingness that you need sleep. Um, so in those periods, I think it's so important for us to be able to have, um, you know, people to to go to and have a plan and strategy. Certainly, I know that's a more extreme example, but even just on a on a basic level, um, you know, when we start to see things, our patterns are kind of okay. I'm getting a little off the rails here. I'm starting to go to bed much later, waking up earlier, having those wake ups frequently. Um, and that can really compound, but there are so many things we can do to help uh, guide things back to homeostasis. Mm, it, rem- it makes me think of sleep as like the ultimate self-care. Yes, thank you for saying it like that. Mm-hmm. I completely feel like that. And for mm-hmm. me, it's given me just such um, you know levels of, it really feels like it's put me back in the driver's seat and the same with my clients because um, then at least, you know, life is obviously still gonna happen. Things are still gonna come our way. But if we have this in our back pocket of um, a real knowingness of what it can take to restore um, you know, your sleep if it has gotten a little off track, or to just really continuously get levels of sleep that unfortunately are kind of rare now, um, that it puts you in this ability to really fully take on life in a way that unfortunately many of us are not equipped to do in the same way when these things are all not working. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think we could probably talk for a long, long time because there's so many aspects of this. I mean, it just is intertwined with, <clears throat> excuse me, every aspect of our physical and mental health. And it's yeah. just, it's foundational. You can't, you know, as you say, you, you know, you can't optimize your contribution. You can't optimize, you know, using your talents, your skills, um, in a time that it's so important to be able to do that yes. when you're, you know, you you need to be drinking coffee all day. Um, it's, it's just so vitally important. Yeah. Um, I think people are going to really want to find out more about this, Molly. Where where can people um, look into this and and find out a, a more about your company and, and more about how to get good sleep? 
Sure. Yeah. So um, sleepisaskill.com acts as a great bucket for a lot mm -hmm. of things. So no matter where you're at, um, going to that website can give you a couple of things to even to get started like today. Mm -hmm. So one, mm -hmm. there's a free downloadable PDF on there um, that is called the optimized bedroom. So it's 18 strategic, you know, kind of tips and um, strategies to shift around mm -hmm. your bedroom space for this optimized sleep, but also from a high tech and a low tech perspective. Um, so kind of some of the latest and greatest around the sleep tech industry alone is just this huge ballooning area <laughs> that so many people are getting into, um, but kind of sifting through the noise of like, what can, um, what can really make a difference and what can we do just on a no tech, um, you know, perspective and when does that make sense to utilize? So you can download that. You can, um, that will also add you to our weekly newsletter. So if you couldn't tell, I'm pretty obsessive personalities. So every Monday I send something called Molly's Monday obsessions of just what I'm obsessing over <laughs> with sleep. I'm like, you gotta check out this new you got to cut like, listen just call it what it is yeah exactly yeah. right just cut right to it so it's like you're gonna get overwhelmed with all kinds of cool you know just i think it's cool anyway yeah. sleep topics or you know oh, tips or tricks right so um good. and so then you can also sign up to mm -hmm. listen to the sleep is a skill podcast um mm -hmm. we have online training courses if you want to go deeper um and then we also have a sleep assessment where you can fill out about your own sleep and kind of get you know real human beings responding back about your sleep so either way there's no matter where you're at there's something um you know a step that you can take to make a difference there wow i i love what you're doing i'm fascinated by it and i really appreciate how important it is and it sounds like if people could just shift a couple things it could really be life-changing yes yeah and that's really what i believe because i know um in that period when I was just at my wits end. And it was really, like I said, it's a scary time in my life. Um, I really felt very hopeless at the time. And I thought, mm. is this my new reality? Like, is this how it's always going to be? Mm. Um, and yet now knowing that on the other side, what's possible, I mean, I'm so grateful for it. And I hope to um, also speak to those people that are dealing with their sleep, especially right now, it's such a challenging thing. Um, and yet that on the other side of that, there can be some really tremendous gifts that can come from even sleep disturbance because it can certainly propel us into action when we're that's what, when we're that tired, we're willing to try different things mm -hmm. we might not normally do. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that can definitely be levels of you know peace and kind of groundedness that we might not have had otherwise. Oh, that is such a gift. I, I so appreciate your passion about this and, you know, you're, it, it's such a lovely thing when we can experience something difficult, figure it out, and then pass it on as a legacy and say, look, you don't have to go through what I went through. Let me give you some help here. I'll, I'll <laughs> yes. save you some time and anguish. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I don't want people to have to go through all the dead ends mm -hmm. that I went through to, oh, well, you know, will hypnosis help? Will this help? Will this meditation help? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, and not to say those, those can be wonderful. And, you know, having just a bit more of a strategy or plan, I think, and support can make it. And difference. understanding that yes. this isn't magic. There's a right. reason. And I love, uh, you know, the historical part about like, we got some light bulb problems here. <laughs> it's yes. not, you know, and it makes total sense. And it's not you. It's not a character flaw. There's not, you know, but we're setting it up to fail here. And if we understand that we're mammals, uh, and that we understand our history, um, it all kind of fits into place. It all fits. And what you said of you uh, began this podcast with, you know, going to take my dog for a walk, right? The mm -hmm. dog, my clients that have dogs or have animals that they have to get outside, I often say they like win the day because mm. um, they're the people that rain or shine tend to get themselves outside. Yeah. And it sounds so basic, but that exposure to full spectrum light from the sun, mm -hmm. it actually, it has a name. It's called sunlight anchoring. And if you're doing that first thing in the morning, that is one of the most powerful things to um, anchor in that circadian rhythm and tell your body okay this we're doing this no more melatonin we're we're into cortisol right now and a number of um you know kind of cascade of hormonal responses occur and then you can anticipate that later on in the evening you will be getting tired 
earlier based on when you got your first shot of full spectrum light. Oh, um, wow. So really have some strategy around that. So I, I applaud you for getting outside with your dog. Well, it's, it's you great. know, there's uh, <laughs> it's not always in the morning. And since yes. I'm in Syracuse, you got a 65% chance that the sun will not be out. But oh. it's a, but it's okay. I mean, you know, we all have to take vitamin D here. But, um, you know, and we, we can do another episode on this, but there's so much research about just being walking under a tree, you know, and getting out. It's, it's, um, I forgot that you're in Syracuse. I went to school in Syracuse. It's Syracuse University. So yes, I I know, I know it well, that lake effect and you got the terminology. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Most of my clients come from Syracuse University. And, uh, so yeah, that's something in common. Well, it has been absolutely delightful and educational and you know I'm pretty up on health and wellness stuff but I did not know about getting my good shot of sunlight anchoring I am going to start thinking about that and because I see clients late into the night sometimes I eat dinner late I'm going to shift that and I really appreciate your you know your knowledge and your wisdom I think my audience is going to make some you know, my hope is that they'll make some changes that are uh, really uh, life affirming, mm. we'll, we'll call yes. it. Absolutely. Well, that's so <laughs> wonderful. Uh, you know, certainly keep me posted on that progress because that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Makes, nothing makes me happier than hearing those stories. So keep me posted. And it's just been a pleasure to speak with you. I really appreciate it. Oh, you as well. Thank you, Molly. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. <music>